0: Well, good morning, Winds. It's so good to see each and every one of you join us today, and also, of course, want to welcome all of you who are joining us online. We're so glad uh, that you are with us uh, in that way. Uh, as we move today into kind of the beginning of the summer season, uh, a message that we have is very simple, very straightforward. I wanna call us as a church to devote ourselves to prayer. The Bible says that we must be a people of prayer, a community committed to prayer, people who are wearing their knees out in prayer because we know God is our only hope. We must pray and pray with passion and we must not give up. God issues many callings to his people throughout the scriptures. Here's one, this is Isaiah 56, seven. God says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. He didn't say it should be called a house of programs or a house of activities or a house of any other other things that might be somewhat good in and of themselves. He said my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. In Acts chapter one, verse 14, it tells us that after Jesus had ascended, His followers gathered together in an upper room and we are told that they were constantly devoting themselves to prayer. And in response to that, in chapter two of Acts, God sends his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the church explodes. Acts two, verses 42 and 43 says that they were devoted to four things, the apostles' teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. And the very next line in that passage says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. God says, my house shall be called a house of prayer for all nations. And it's no wonder. When we pray, we place ourselves in the jet stream of God's mighty power. A church cannot be torn by dissension or by gossip or have a cold heart toward unbelievers if it's devoted to prayer. And you will never find a Christ follower who says at the end of their lives, well, you know, I wish I hadn't devoted myself so much to prayer. Prayer is where we encounter the living God. God says my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, and I believe that is his calling for Southwinds. You know, we are in a season where we are reentering more normal rhythms of life, and as we do, I believe that God is going to open doors for us To love and to serve our neighbors at a time when they need it more than ever. And I believe that God is calling this house, our house, and your house, the house your life group meets in, the house where your family lives, God is calling his house to be a house of prayer. And yet, I think when so many of us ponder our prayer life, what comes to us first is discouragement or guilt. So many times we find ourselves feeling as if our prayer lives are just not what they should be. And oftentimes we're kept from prayer by many faults, many misguided notions that that go down very, very deep inside of us. Things like, you know, I just, I don't know if I can really pray about my job or my family or maybe my feelings because that just seems too selfish. Or I can't pray because my motives are not 100% pure. I'm kind of divided sometimes. Or I can't pray because I honestly don't really have my life all lined up yet. Or I can't pray because it's just been too long since I prayed. I'd be kind of embarrassed to go before God now. Or maybe for some of us, we think I can't pray because I'm not even sure prayer works. Sometimes I think things just happen. Sometimes I think God will just do whatever he wants to do, whether I pray or not. So what difference does it make? We serve a God who invites us to the adventure of prayer, a God who tells us if we will just devote ourselves to prayer, he will work in incredible ways. If you're not there already, I want to encourage you to get your Bibles open to the letter that Paul wrote to the Colossians. Colossians chapter 4, we're going to be reading verses 2 through 6, and we're going to be looking at several other texts today, but we're going to start here and we're going to end here. And so you need to have your Bible open and ready, whether you have it uh, in paper or it's digital. And we are focusing on prayer today because as we, we come out of this extraordinary season of pandemic, I believe that God wants to do some extraordinary things here at Southwinds. And I think the months ahead of us have the potential to be amazing. And that's why I'm thinking that God wants to use the words that he inspired the apostle Paul uh, to write in our lives. He wants to make the summer of 2021 a summer that's devoted to prayer. Listen to what Paul writes, Colossians chapter four beginning in verse two. Devote yourselves to prayer, Devote yourselves to prayer. You know, there's no area of life where the Bible encourages perseverance more strongly than in this area of prayer. And I think it's because the Bible writers knew that that fallen people like us are apt to get discouraged or maybe distracted, sometimes bored, and oftentimes guilty, and we just give up. We just stop praying. And so they were constantly saying, whatever else you do, don't stop praying praying. In Luke chapter 18, the first verse, Jesus tells the story that's known as the story, the parable of the persistent widow. And this is how he opens the chapter. Luke writes, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Likewise, in another passage in the Gospel of Luke, Luke eleven, Jesus is telling various stories. The story of a persistent neighbor. He tells the story of a father that gives good gifts to his son. And in both of these stories, it's the same message: always pray, don't give up. He begins to say this in verse nine. Listen to his words. So I say to you: ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Devote yourselves to prayer. Always pray, don't give up. And Paul actually shows us the same thing in another place in Colossians. This is chapter one, verse nine, and there's just one phrase I wanna highlight. Paul says this, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I haven't stopped, I haven't given up, Paul writes. Just devote yourselves to prayer. Just don't give up. So Paul says in Colossians 1 that he never stops praying for them. But notice now in chapter 4, verse 2, he asks the Colossians to pray for him. And look at these verses, chapter 4, verse 2 through 6 again. And and as you look at them, I want you to be reminded that when Paul writes these particular verses, he's writing these verses from a particular place, and that particular place is prison, Let me just ask you a question. Be honest, think about this. If you were in prison and you were asking people to pray for you, what do you think the first thing would be that you would ask them to pray for? Get me out of prison, right? But notice, Paul doesn't ask for that. Paul doesn't say anything about getting out of prison. Paul says, please ask, please pray that God would open a door. He says, ask God to cause the gospel to spread and just don't stop asking. And they didn't stop asking. The first century Christ followers, they asked and they asked and they asked and God did it and the world was turned upside down. So here's the question today, Southwinds: What if we, as a church family, were to spend this summer of 2021 asking and asking and asking God to open doors, and he did it. What if we not only did it this summer, but we spent the fall and then the rest of this next year asking God to spread the gospel through this place more powerfully than ever before, and he did it. What if every one of us was praying every day, God, let me proclaim the mystery of Christ this year? What if every one of us was praying, God, let me have at least one person who doesn't know you this summer come to know you by next summer? What if we were praying that? And what if God did it? What if we gathered here like a year from now And there were hundreds of people between now and then who walked through those doors and then they walked through the door of faith. And we were able to look at each other and say, we just kept asking. We just kept asking. All year we kept praying and God did it. And this was the greatest adventure of prayer in our lives. Anybody else want to be part of a church where God is working like that? Here's what I wanna to say to us today. We, we can, and I believe we will. I'm praying that we will. I, I believe that God wants to do some amazing things here in this church. And so today, I want us to look at two questions. There's a why question and a how question. Why is it so critical we devote ourselves to prayer? Why is it so foundational? Why, why would everything else we do not really amount to much if we're not praying? And then second, how, how? do we do it? So why and how? And we'll start with the why. Here's that question. Why devote ourselves to prayer? Why does the Bible make such a big deal about prayer? I'm gonna give you two reasons, and there honestly are many more, but we'll just look at these two. And here's the first one. Prayer changes what is possible. Now Paul really believed this this staggering idea. He really believed that prayer opens doors that would remain locked otherwise. He really believed that that prayer can make a timid witness to the gospel bold. He really believed that prayer can make a vague presentation of Christ clear. And so he says, pray for these things, pray for these things. I wanna show you one example of how seriously the Bible takes prayer. And it's in kind of a place you may not have thought about this before. It's the last book of the Bible. It's the book of Revelation. It's the eighth chapter. We're gonna read the first four verses. And this is just an amazing passage We find here the story of the seven scrolls and these seals have been broken uh, to the scrolls and they're telling the story of human sin and human violence and God's judgment on history and on and on. And then this remarkable thing happens in chapter eight, beginning in verse one. The apostle John writes, when he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour Just silence. Wasn't that getting kind of awkward? (laughs) We don't like it when things go quiet, right? And it makes us uncomfortable, but heaven goes silent. Verse two says, and I saw the seven angels who stand before God And to them were given seven trumpets. Another angel who had a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was given a a great quantity of incense to offer. And notice this, with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense together with the prayers of the saints went up before God from the angel's hand. Now here is what the writer is talking about using a, a great deal of imagery. Usually, we think of events on earth being interrupted because of actions taken in heaven. But in this scene, it's the other way around. All of heaven comes to a standstill. The endless songs and, and praises of the heavenly hosts that have been chronicled in, in these earlier chapters of Revelation, they're all stopped. And why? Why? So that... The prayers of the saints, people like you and people like me, prayers like you pray and prayers like I pray, every one of our prayers so that they can rise before God. The prayers of the saints are heard. They matter. They interrupt heaven. And what happens on earth next happens because people prayed. Now some of us, I I know, struggle with this, we find ourselves sometimes thinking, "You know, if God is sovereign and He determines all things, why should I pray?" But I, the Bible makes it very clear that God has sovereignly determined to work through prayer. That's His sovereign will. That's how God, in His sovereign providence works. He commands us to pray, and He responds to prayer. And so we pray. Prayer changes what is possible. Second reason that prayer is so important is this. Human history belongs to the intercessors. Human history belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe, those who pray the future into being. And this is a very important thing for us to think about because history, the Bible tells us, does not belong to those we typically think it belongs to. It does not belong to the politically powerful. It does not belong to the tech billionaires. It does not belong to the military leaders of vast armies. It does not belong to the dictators and the corporations and the global media empires. The Bible says history belongs to the intercessors, to those who intercede before God. Do you know the Bible tells us that intercession is what Jesus himself is doing in heaven right now. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself, I wonder what Jesus is doing now. The Bible says intercession. Romans eight thirty four tells us Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also doing what? Interceding for us right now. Jesus is at the right hand of God, interceding for us. And think about this. His ministry on earth lasted around three years. His intercessory ministry in heaven has now been going on for 2,000 years, and it's not over. History belongs to the intercessors And it's very important for us to remember this because sometimes we get confused. Sometimes we think only the visible things, the things we can see matter. We think sometimes that a church is built on cleverness or human strength and these things may not be bad. God may gift us with these things, but they are never enough. That's why the Bible says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And some of you, you know all this and you actually live it. You pray faithfully, you pray persistently and I would like to say a few words to you if this is you. I wanna remind all of us here but I wanna speak specifically to those of you who pray and pray diligently and persistently and don't give up. I want you to hear this. We don't know. We don't know how many people have walked through the doors of this church because you prayed. Southwinds. We have seen almost 1,300 people baptized over the last 18 years. And we just don't know, at a baptism, how many people, repentant sinners, are there trusting Christ, publicly professing their faith because you prayed. Maybe someone you've been praying for, maybe for a long time, is going to be baptized this next Sunday on June the 6th. Maybe... Maybe you're the person someone has been praying for, and it's time. God is speaking to you and telling you it's time to step forward and tell the world, Jesus is my Lord. I'm trusting him for my salvation now and forever. I'm receiving baptism. Maybe that's time for you to do what God is commanding you. See, we don't know how God uses prayers for people like this, We don't know how many tragic sins and mistakes have been avoided. We don't know how many people have been healed uh, from from sickness or uh, other kinds of problems. We don't know how much grace has been poured out because of your prayers. And we won't know this side of eternity. But we do know this. History belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe and those who pray the future into being. Now, all of us, all of us are, required, are called to pray. Some of us have a special gift of prayer. Intercessory prayer is one of the spiritual gifts talked about in the New Testament. We talk about that in our, in our Discovery 301 class. We're gonna be starting those classes up again this fall. And some of you have that gift. You have the gift of intercessory prayer. Some of you find that you have a great delight in praying for other people. Some of you have this ability to pray and keep praying with great diligence until an answer to that prayer comes. And and, and I actually believe one such person is listed in Colossians, the fourth chapter, a few verses down, verse 12. Paul is wrapping his letter up. He's running through these names, acknowledging people, uh, acknowledging their ministries. And he talks about this one guy who's devoted to prayer. He writes, Epaphras who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in the will of God, mature and fully assured. That's someone with the gift of intercessory prayer. And some of you have this gift. You, you often feel this intense burden to pray. Maybe you find yourself praying for people like you haven't even seen them for years. You, you look for opportunities to pray and when you find one, you just go after it. Some of you have this gift. And maybe it has not been called into blossoming yet in your life. I'm doing that now. And so I'm gonna challenge you, if that's you, if you are feeling a, a tug there, if you, you find yourself thinking, I do fe- feel a delight in, in praying and I, I do feel a burden for it and I sense God gives me power, the ability to, to keep going until an answer comes. If that's you, hear these words, don't hold back, always pray, don't give up. Study what the Bible says about prayer. Learn more about prayer. Talk with other people about prayer. Pray about that. And those of you who do, you're just gonna have lives of unbelievable adventures in prayer. Things known maybe just to a few people. God has gifted you for this. Live out that gift and it's starting now. So some of us have a gift, but again, as I said, all of us are called to pray. Well, why? Well, because history belongs to the intercessors, to those who believe and who pray the future into being. It belongs to those who devote themselves to praying, God, your kingdom come. God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's who history belongs to. That's why we're called to pray and pray and not give up. Now, we're all called to pray, We all should be devoting ourselves to prayer. How do we do it? How do we devote ourselves to prayer? We're gonna spend the the rest of our time uh, talking about that because I think almost all of us want to pray. We just struggle with sticking to it. So I'm gonna walk us through in the time we have left uh, three resolves, three resolves that I would like for us to make as a church family starting this summer, three resolves that we will persist in prayer. And the first one is very practical. It's this, establish a realistic pattern of prayer. See, when Paul says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful, that that Greek word devote, it means to persist, uh, to remain at something, to cling to something. Sometimes this word is used of a boat that's always available, always ready to sail, always ready to serve. So you resolve that you will pray and you won't give up. And you remember that Jesus is always looking for prayers who will pray and not be turned aside, people who will not be distracted, people who will work at prayer, who will say that prayer is of ultimate importance because I am believing by faith, that prayer changes what is possible, that history belongs to the intercessors. Now, I wanna get very practical about this for a few moments, especially for those of us in the room who struggle with prayer. And to be real honest, I anticipate that would be most of us, the majority of us. So if your prayer life is going well, just keep doing what works for you. You know, if you're on a good track, just stay on that track. But if you struggle, I wanna encourage you to establish a a realistic pattern of prayer. Again, this is something we talk about in our Discovery 201 class, but I wanna share with you, if you haven't taken that class, some ideas that'll help you. And the first is this, just start short. Just five or 10 minutes a day. Commit yourself to something doable that will launch you into regular, consistent prayer. And, and here's why this is important. Here, here's what happens for so many of us. A lot of people feel guilty about prayer, right? And so out of guilt, they decide that they're gonna pray, and they're gonna pray like they've never prayed before, and they'll oftentimes decide to do something that's not realistic for them, at least not now. It's like, you know, you go to church and you hear pastors tell stories about you know Martin Luther or or John Wesley or somebody's grandma and they pray for four hours a day. And you hear that and you start thinking, what's wrong with me? I don't, I don't even love Jesus at all. You know, I'm not doing that. And, and we think, okay, I'm gonna change that. I'm gonna fix prayer in my life. I'm gonna master prayer overnight and then we try to do that and it doesn't happen and we feel guiltier than we did before. And what comes next? We, we give up. See, it's just wisdom to start with something doable and keep doing that for as long as it takes to develop and build that into a consistent pattern and habit and you don't have to try to increase the time you spend too soon. And I'm saying this because I just know this this has been my experience at times, I've heard from so many people, when you start praying after some days, some weeks, sooner or later, this is gonna happen, you're gonna be tempted to quit. You're gonna be tempted to quit because you're gonna get discouraged. And you're gonna be tempted to quit, and some of you have never been willing to admit this in church, so I'm gonna say it for you. You're gonna be tempted to quit because you get bored. And when any of that happens, maybe other things happens, I I wanna encourage you, don't play games. Don't say, well, I'm just gonna skip my five minutes today. I'll pray 10 minutes tomorrow. God will count that all right, you know. Just get back to doing it. Just stay on the pattern that you've established. Pick up wherever you've left off. That leads into the next thing I wanna just say to you if you miss a day. Secondly, don't waste time feeling guilty. Guilt kills prayer for so many people. And a lot of us, we kinda get trapped into this idea that prayer is about showing God, proving to God like how committed we are and we find ourselves thinking that the amount of time we pray is the single most important way of expressing our commitment to God and and when we don't do that like we think we should, we just feel these massive amounts of guilt and we actually end up praying less. So some of us may need to be reminded today that God is interested in your whole life. He is interested in your obedience to him all day And maybe you should write this next sentence down and think about it. Maybe you've never heard this before, but here's what I wanna say to you. Prayer is primarily a gift God gives to us. Prayer is primarily a gift that God gives to us. And so if you miss a day, don't waste time Feeling guilty? Just go back to the pattern that you've established. If it's five minutes, just do that the next day. Third, you can do this too. Choose the same time each day to pray. The same time each day to pray. Now, I know we are busy people. This may seem impossible, but here's the reality. If you allow your time where you commit to pray to vary from day to day to day to day, it often has a way of just kind of evaporating altogether. Have you ever noticed that? See, I... I think this is so important. Establish a time that works for you. And the fourth thing I wanna say is very similar. It goes along with this. Pray in the same place. Find a place, one place where you pray, a place that becomes for you kind of a holy place between you and god and for me i have one chair i pray and that chair is pretty precious to me i have a certain routine i go through Um, this is my time this is my place it's it's a way of telling my heart and my mind i'm spending time with god i'm here to meet with god in a focused way and then finally fifth do it at the time of day when you're at your best now many of you have heard um, some pastors, maybe other Christians teach that, you know, prayer always needs to be at a, 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 at a certain time of day, like in the morning. You know, it's gotta be in the morning and it doesn't count as much. Well, I have a question. What if, what if morning is your worst time of the day? I mean, honestly, you may be the kind of person that God really doesn't wanna talk to in the morning. <laughs> So if that's you, when you wake up, greet him, thank him for the day, commit the day to him, but just set aside your focus time for prayer whenever it's your best time of day, and that may be at lunch for you, that may be um, at night, it may be right before you go to bed, just do what works. And here's what I'm saying, eventually if you just keep at these things, again being realistic, you keep at these things, you you push through the times when you wanna quit, you will find that this becomes a pattern, a habit, a, a part of your life. And when that happens, it won't fluctuate nearly so much according to how it feels, and you can let it grow, and build and deepen. So that's number one. Establish a realistic pattern of prayer. It's not a guilt deal. It's gonna take some work, yes. It's gonna take persistence, but you establish that pattern. Second resolve is this, quite simply, pray boldly. Pray boldly. Now, there's a lot of places we could look in the scriptures to learn about this, but I want to go to Hebrews 4, uh, verses 14 through 16, great passage to encourage us in bold praying. Here's what this author writes. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, some translations say boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Pray boldly. So how do we do that? I want to start by saying what this doesn't mean. To pray boldly doesn't mean that you kind of tense everything up and you focus your, your, you know, maybe clench your fists and you try to just conjure up a feeling of, of certainty by force of the will so you don't feel any uncertainty. It's not about how you feel, it's not about how you sound. You don't try to just make it happen. You know, I I think about the, the man who came to Jesus and said, Jesus, Lord, if you can, heal my son. And Jesus said, if you can, why do you say, if all things are possible to the one who believes? And this man says, I do believe, Lord, help my unbelief. And I think in part what he was saying is, I believe enough to come to you. Your faith won't be perfect, but be bold enough to come. It's not about how you feel. It also doesn't mean using a loud voice, okay? Some people talk like bold praying means you yell at God. That's not what bold praying is. Alongside of this, bold praying is also not demanding that God does something for you. And I've told you this before, I'll tell you this again. There is a God and he's not you. It is not our place to command and demand God tell him what to do. Bold praying also doesn't mean using some trick formula for prayer. And there's a lot of people out there who say the key to prayer is you have to use a certain phrase, or you have to sound real confident, or you just have to pray in the grammatical form of a demand a command. Prayer is not about games. God doesn't play games with people. So what does bold praying mean? Well, let me give you several things I think it should mean for us. First of all, bold praying means you never let guilt stop you. You pray, not because of how spiritual you are, but because we have a great high priest. Jesus has given you access to God and Jesus tells you you can come before him at any time and make requests of him with confidence. Pray boldly. Bold praying means you ask God to do things that humanly speaking, you give up on. I gave you an example of that. Bold praying means, and some of you need to do this, persistently praying for the person who's farther farther from God than anyone you know. Who's that for you? When I said that, and you saw that on the screen, what person flashed in your mind? Who did you think of? I mean, is there someone in your life, be honest about this now, is there someone in your life, your honest thought about them is, they'll never come to Christ. Bold praying means you pray and you ask God to open doors, you ask God to soften their heart, you ask God to grant them repentance and faith, you say, God, it's summer And I'm asking you, God, will you bring this person to yourself through your son, Jesus, by the end of 2021? You willing to pray that prayer? See what God does? Bold praying also means praying for the healing of your life's most difficult relationship. What is that for you? Will you pray that God heals that, that God changes that? Bold praying may involve praying for some need that's honestly just beyond your ability. When you pray and you say, God, I need you to do something and I know I can't do this. That's what bold praying is. And I wanna encourage you right now, just get real practical, whether you have something to write with or maybe you've got your phone out, you're taking notes there. Would you be willing right now to have the boldness to write down right now one bold prayer that you can begin praying? So you're never gonna pray boldly until you pray bold prayers. And so I'm gonna encourage you, what is it you need to pray about boldly right now? Don't let fear, don't let discouragement, don't let doubt stop you. You're just gonna pray and you're gonna pray boldly. The honest truth about this is we all need help to pray boldly. And one of the ways that we grow in boldness is we pray in community. You ever notice that when you're praying with other people, it strengthens and encourages and emboldens you? One of the things we're gonna start doing um, is praying together more and more at Southwinds. And we're gonna start in this way, begin this summer with some monthly summer prayer nights. First one is coming up in, in a little more than a week. It's gonna be Tuesday, June eighth, here in this room. There's gonna be childcare, if that'll help you. And by the way, moms, if you just wanna come and get away from your kids for an hour, if that's okay. You can come to prayer nights, if that's all it takes. If that's all your at this point thinking you're getting out of it. But we're gonna start, and each month during this summer, uh, we're gonna be praying, and then this fall, we'll see where we go from there. God calls us to pray boldly. And another thing I want you to be thinking about is God's word also encourages bold praying. And so next Sunday, we're gonna start our new summer series that'll help us in this regard. It's called Summer Songs, and throughout the months of June and July and August, As a church family, we're gonna be exploring uh, various psalms. And that's so important because the book of psalms, if you ever didn't know if you knew this, but the book of psalms was actually Jesus' prayer book. It's what Jesus used to pray. And I think we learn more about praying in the Psalms than almost anywhere else. And so I wanna encourage you to be here this summer as often as you can. So that's the second resolve. Here's the third resolve. We can devote ourselves to prayer when we third ask God to open doors. Ask God to open doors. Let's begin this summer asking God to open doors for the spread of the gospel like never before. Let's ask God this year to just extend grace. I want you to look at Colossians 4, verses three through six again. Paul writes, and pray for us too, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Now, I wanna ask you to be honest with yourself right now about your praying. And I'm gonna ask this question. How much of your actual praying is kingdom praying? In other words, it's praying for the concerns of Christ's body and not just personal praying, praying about solving the problems in your life. Now, God wants us to pray about those personal things, sure. He wants you to pray about your needs, but here's the question, really, is that all you pray for? Is that the only thing you're praying about? And I mentioned this earlier in the message, I'm highlighting it again. Paul was most concerned to pray about gospel needs, about kingdom prayers. He wanted God to pray to open doors for the gospel. And so that's what he told these people to pray for. And it's kind of interesting to me, think about this. He wanted people to pray for him so that he, an apostle, would proclaim the message clearly. You would think that Paul wouldn't have a problem with that, right? But that's what he asked for. He goes on to say in these verses to conduct yourself wisely when you're, you're with outsiders because someday maybe they won't be outsiders anymore. Maybe they'll become insiders. You know, all day long, all of us, we see people who are outsiders in our places of work, in our neighborhoods, where you shop and where you buy gas. Uh, When you interact with the people that uh, are at the school where your kids go to school, maybe at your favorite restaurant, would you start praying, Lord, open a door for the gospel, and then as you pray for open doors, would you also be praying, God, help me to have eyes to see when you open the door, to see those opportunities. Paul says a real interesting thing in verse five. In that phrase, notice it, make the most of every opportunity. Literally, this word translated opportunity means time. And the Greeks had a couple of words they used for time. The most common word was the word chronos, and you recognize that. It's the word we get words like chronology or chronological from, and this is like, that's like clock time, another tick uh, on the clock, another trip around the sun. It's just time as it happens. But a second word that they would use is the Greek word kairos. Kairos. And that word meant a decisive moment or sometimes a crisis or maybe a crossroads. Sometimes it could mean something like what we would call a defining moment. Kairos is the Greek word for defining moment. Kronos is the word for clock time. And kairos is the word Paul uses here. What he's saying is there will be defining moments in the lives of people around you, moments when for whatever reason, maybe after years of hardness, hearts suddenly soften and open to God. And how will you know that if you're not connected to God through prayer? I wanna read you a letter that someone wrote uh, to a church um, back in Illinois a number of years ago. And You'll kind of get the idea how old this is when you hear some of ha- what, what's said here, but I think it'll help you. Uh, here's the letter. My wife and I have been attending this church, they named the church, for close to 22 years. And for most of this time, I tried to share Christ with my sister. I, I sent her tapes. That's the clue. I sent her tapes over the years, called her, wrote to her, talked with her, all to no avail. Recently, I felt the Lord saying to get a copy of a tape where the gospel had presented and I sent it to her and my first response when I heard, felt like I heard God say this was, what's the use, Lord? I've been trying for over 20 years and she doesn't listen to them anyway. I sent the tape finally and this was kind of interesting. I sent it with a cassette recorder and batteries. I think he just wanted to cover every bass. Then he says, the rest of the story is in her letter. And he had photocopied her letter and sent it along with his. And, and she writes a number of things in this letter. And then she writes about the day that this tape came in the mail. She says, that noon I came home for lunch and there was this package. I opened it and I saw the tape. I read the letter. I knew this must be important. I mean, I knew I, you always sent tapes. And quite honestly, I've never taken the time to listen, partly because until now, I didn't have a tape deck which worked. She said, I realize this is just an excuse. And then there's another thing about the letter, and this honestly just kinda kills me. She says, there's a particular reason that she was looking for something in the mail. She says, a couple of days earlier, I was reading my horoscope, and my horoscope said something important would come by mail. Now, let me be really clear about this one, okay? Do not dabble in astrology. You should not be reading the horoscopes. Um, the occult is dangerous, but here's the deal. God is sovereign, and when God is after you, there's nowhere for you to hide. And at the end of this woman's letter, she tells her brother that she had given her life to Jesus Christ. And, then the writer of this letter, well, he decided to send this letter to some other folks and three other people gave their lives to Christ all because of after 22 years of frustration, someone devoted themselves to prayer and did not give up. They kept persevering because prayer changes what is possible because history belongs to the intercessors. And God God kept tugging at another human heart. One day that heart softened, one day that heart opened and God spoke to that person and God said to that person, this is it, this is a defining moment. This is Kairos time. Even though there had been 22 years of fruitless frustration, someone said, I'll keep praying, I'm not giving up. And after 22 years of Kronos, There was a kairos. Now, I know. I know not every prayer story ends like this. Not by a long shot. I know the ache and the mystery of chronic unanswered prayer. Unanswered prayer that sometimes people take with them. Take with them to the grave. And I don't know. I don't know why some prayers for great good don't ever seem to get answered the way we desire. But what I do know is this. You and I have the choice to pray or to give up. And you can give up if you want. Prayer is often hard. Prayer often can feel like a waste of time. And sometimes, yes, it's kind of boring. But I want you to imagine getting to the very end of your life. Imagine looking around at the people you love, your children, your family, your friends, your neighbors, maybe even your enemies, and saying, you know what, I never really devoted myself to prayer. I was a real busy person, and I did a lot of really pretty good things, I guess, but I never became a person of prayer. Imagine getting to the end of your life and thinking that. But then imagine one day standing in the presence of God and realizing that you had prayed. So you can go down that road of prayerlessness if you want to. But you can go down the road of the intercessor. You can go down the road where prayer changes what is possible, the road where history is is altered. Imagine standing one day in the presence of God and realizing that your persistence in prayer had been woven in God's providence into the very fabric of eternity. Imagine discovering one day that grace was poured out, that lives were redeemed that families were healed, that neighborhoods, sometimes even cities, were transformed, all because you prayed. You see, the Bible tells us prayer changes what is possible. History belongs to the intercessors. Imagine being someone who does what Jesus said. Always pray, never give up. So here's my last question for you. Will you pray? Will you pray? Will you persist in prayer? Will you begin praying this summer, maybe like you've never prayed before? Will you ask God to pour out his blessings here in this place on Sundays? Will you ask God to just set us as a church on fire with worship? Will you ask that God's word be taught with clarity and great power? Will you ask God that people who follow Christ but maybe haven't committed themselves yet to a church family Christ body would just be convicted and would be compelled to make worship and learning at this place a part of their lives? Would you ask God... To set the gospel free, to spread it with great power all across your neighborhood, all across Tracy, Mountain House and Lathrop, so that people meet Jesus and that people find community and friendship and fellowship here at Southwinds, maybe in one of our, our life groups. Would you ask God to do the things that only God can do, and then watch him do it? Will you pray? I believe that if you will, we will see God do amazing things here in this church for his glory and for our good. Will you pray, Southwinds? That's the question today. Will you pray and not give up? Let's devote ourselves to prayer, amen? Would you bow your heads as we pray now?